Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about ISACA's new risk reward barometer. I'm talking with John Peranti, an advisor for ISACA and president of IP Architects. John, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for the time, Tom. John, I'm fascinated by this new barometer that you folks have just released. What can you tell us about the mission of this study? Tom, I think that what ISACA has learned very early on is that our membership and the constituencies at large are really interested in understanding uh, risk as a perspective of IT and business process. And as we're moving down our journey together through IT security and IT governance management. So the risk reward barometer really is a way to kind of tap the industry and tap the, the constituency to say what is interesting to them? What are they looking at as far as their risk perspectives to try and bring some uh, commonality to the conversation across different industries, different groups, different people, so people can understand how others are looking at risk-reward. So we think of that barometer as uh, a moving target that will adjust based on new technologies, new concepts, maturity, things of that nature that will help us to kind of set the tone of where we are uh, from a risk perspective as we're adopting new and exciting capabilities. And give us a sense of how many people are being surveyed and where in the world they are, please, John. Um, so uh, the, the survey for this round was done as a global survey. Um, a fair amount of the survey respondents are from the United States, but we did actually get a global perspective. Um, we had about 800 respondents this time, um, and we uh, hope to have more going future, obviously. But as from our first round, we were very happy with the results. Um, we have uh, the, the survey results that we gave you in this particular round are going to be the U.S. survey results uh, that we'll speak of today, but the international ones should follow soon. Very good. Well, let's talk about some of the year's top headlines because I noticed that uh, the two particular topics came up that are of interest to anybody in any organization today. Um, so I think the top headlines really came out to the idea that uh, mobile devices and employee-owned devices are really the area of biggest concern and considered the biggest risk right now inside of the enterprises. Uh, we're seeing a lot of work going on with the uh, bring-your-own-device conversation, and a lot of organizations are assessing and analyzing whether or not that's a good idea. Um, the obvious benefits being that they can act, get access to uh, latest and greatest technologies without having to have cost. Uh, the obvious concerns are, as we introduce these new capabilities, what is our ability to properly secure them and, and align them with our risk profiles to make sure that we're comfortable with them being used in the corporate environments. Um, and then some of the other things I think that were interesting that we called out that were of note uh, were the cloud computing is starting to be accepted more as an organizational reality. So there was a lot of uh, a kind of questioning for a number of years whether or not we'd be able to use this effectively and, and fit it into the risk profiles. And we're seeing more and more organizations are becoming more accepting and embracing uh, cloud computing and finding ways to appropriately secure it and put it into their risk profiles in a way that they feel comfortable that they can use it without much concern. Well, great topics. Let's talk about both of them. We'll take the mobile trends first. Uh, I like this term you use, bring your own device. What do you see as being the big concerns of the organizations that you've surveyed? Um, I think the number one concern that we run into is the fact that when it's bring your own device, no matter how much we try, no matter how much we do, it is still the property of the end user. So even if we put in great applications and controls and things like that, the end user still has the authority to remove or modify or change those devices. Now, we can prevent them from accessing the environments once they do so, but that doesn't help us if they've already uh, done something in a malicious way or captured some data and stored it locally and then done the modification. So 
really comes down to the idea of saying, can we uh, properly uh, account for data that's being moved to those devices and properly secure them for the life of their usage in our environment um, and ensure that users, uh, while they have that ability, we have the ability to know what they're up to, know what they're doing, and recognize when that's happened so we can take appropriate actions. I think we're still trying to figure it out. I don't think there's one right answer yet on the best way to protect mobile solutions. I think we're limited in our controls based on what the vendors are offering us as opportunities for controls. Um, and I think it'll take a, a series of unfortunate incidents and, and hacking activities for us to really open up the uh, idea to the vendors saying we want more ability to secure things the way we want to versus the way you want us to do. Yes. Now, I, I happen to know you're out in the field today working with an organization on this this area. So. What tips do you offer organizations that are trying to get a better handle on their mobile devices and the, the whole topic of, of bring your own device? You know, it's a great question, Tom, and, and I follow a couple of real mantras in this area. The first thing I say is we need to embrace but educate. Um, my view really is that the end user is our best defense as well as our, our greatest adversary. So if we can embrace them and we can help them understand how we expect them to use these devices and also help them protect their own personal information at the same time, we have a higher likelihood of success in them doing just the basic things that will help us get to 80 to 85% of the current challenges um, versus mandating that they do things that they may not like or want to do or may not believe in, um, where they look at it as a disabler versus enabler. So if we embrace the technology and recognize that it's going to be used and, and leverage it in a positive way, um, we're more likely to have uh, the buy-in of the hearts and the minds of the people who are going to use them to actually work with us to do this well and to protect this well. Um, the other area that I often, often commonly focus on is I say, we need to do a follow-the-data approach. Um, if we take the equation, the device out of the equation and we focus more on a data-focused approach, then we should have data protection and integrity and understand risk to data and information assets no matter what platform or what system they go on. And that way we can have a commonality that accounts for any new technology or any new capabilities or new business processes that are brought into play. Instead of having to look at them on a one-by-one -on -one basis, we can look at it at a data level and that way we can apply appropriate controls uh, based on that conversation versus just being bound to this is a mobile device or this is a fixed device, or uh, this is a cloud solution. And to be clear, John, just putting up a barrier and saying no bringing your own device really isn't an option for organizations, is it? It really isn't. If you look at some of the ISACA surveys we've done in other areas, like our, our yearly shopping surveys where we do the online shopping activities, last year we noted a, a definite increase of people who said that they would at work use their own personal devices, which are on carrier networks that are not protected by corporate controls and, and corporate policies to do activities. Um, those same devices, unfortunately, end up at connecting back into the corporate networks after they do the personal activities. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to create a situation where a user is going to take a covert, covert action to do what they feel they need to do to get their job done to be successful or to be able to carry out their life activities and do something that you don't know about. It's better for you as an organization to be aware of the activities, to put in proper monitoring and put in proper education and expectations at the management level of what we expect you to do as a user while using these things. So then we're not chasing down those hidden activities. Well, let's shift gears and talk about cloud computing now. It seems to me that the story of this year has been, okay, we all acknowledge that we're going into the cloud and now we're going to take a step back and make sure that we're doing it securely. What do the barometer's findings tell you about cloud? What I found very interesting in the barometer finding from this year's uh, findings was the fact that people are starting to adopt 
but they're not putting their core uh, or, or secured assets in the cloud at this point. Essentially, we're tipping our, do- our, our, our toe in the water or uh, kind of walking out and looking at the cloud and wondering, is it rainy with a chance of hack or is it going to be okay? So the starting point is to look at it from a risk perspective and take our lowest risk uh, solutions and assets that are almost commoditized within the organizations and start moving them into environments like cloud where they may be better served and we may get better activity and efficiency and performance than we will uh, if we have it locally. Um, but there's still a trepidation to the idea of putting our trusted processes, our production activities, our sensitive data, our customer information into cloud environments. Well, what is going to the cloud then? Uh, a lot of what we're seeing is more small business and medium business organizations who are following the, the simple and appropriate concept that says, if I don't have the staff locally to do this well, at least somebody else is doing this that can do it slightly better. And that's where cloud makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. For large, larger organizations, they're typically putting out things like uh, marketing websites, collaboration type tools, um, things that do not have core or material risk to their environments. Um, so they're, they're not truly putting out a lot of customer data or a lot of production applications. They're putting out the supporting applications. Um, in some cases, they're taking advantage of the analytical power that cloud computing and elastic computing allows us to have. So they're putting out their business intelligence tools or their analytical tools that will uh, crunch through numbers and crunch through data, but that data will never really be resident in the cloud for very long, if at all. Now, how do you see cloud trending? Um, well, I think that the, the concept of cloud is, is something that we've seen before. Uh, I often say that this is the third time out for this concept. We started out with mainframes in the 70s and 80s and early 90s. Then we did shared infrastructure and hosting models in the late 90s. Now we're back at this all over again, and we're just calling it cloud. Um, and from that perspective, we understand the challenges. We understand the limitations and the problems that go along with it. So I think this time out, we have more mature technology that help us to, uh, and understanding and controls that help us to mitigate some of those risks but they still exist, and I think this is just a cycle. I think we're going back into a centralized model, but in some cases we'll move back into distributed, and I believe personally that the best tool at the end of the day is going to be more of a hybrid approach, where we'll gain the benefits of that elastic computing capability. We'll be able to use cloud for business continuity and disaster recovery purposes. We'll be able to take advantage of some of that access to software solutions that are already available, like software as a service, but we'll still maintain our own presence for core activities and core data stores and core uh, concepts as our normal operating process locally. So, John, taking a a step back and looking at the risk-reward barometer, as you look across the globe, do you see regional differences when we talk about topics such as mobile and cloud? Uh, it's it's a great question, Tom. The, the, the funny thing is, in the U.S., we think that mobile mobile solutions and mobile activities and mobile commerce is a, a new and exciting concept. Um, as you go through European nations and and Asia Pacific uh, areas, you'll find that they've been doing this for a number of years. In some cases, like Scandinavia, they've been doing mobile commerce since the late 90s. Um, so we're kind of catching up in the U.S. Uh, for a lot of this concept and these capabilities of using that mobile platform as a uh, really more powerful business tool versus just a gaming or phone or basic uh, music uh, playing type, type solution. Um, I think what we've done, though, in the U.S. is we've moved the innovation scale much further in saying that now we have the ability to have uh, disconnected computing capabilities where our users truly can be working anywhere, anytime in the world efficiently and effectively without having to have a tether back to the corporate environments. So, John, is, is individuals review and interpret the findings of the risk-reward barometer? What sort of light should they be looking at this in? I think that, like anything else involved with risk, it's a matter of relativity. 
Um, I think that there is no one answer or one way that an organization should look at this and say, yes, this is what the community at large is looking at, so I should be aligned to that. I think that this should be looked at as an informative data point that can help people understand what is going on around them, because that's often what people are trying to understand. How are others solving problems? How are other people looking at things? Um, what I can tell you is some early feedback we've received already uh, from individuals who've looked at the, the uh, survey uh, in their own environments and said, this has really helped me to normalize some of my activities and help me have better conversations with my management team because it helps to either bolster some of my points of view or helps me to rethink about some of the things I'm thinking out from a cloud from a risk perspective and move forward slightly differently. Um, so I hope that this is an effective data point that people will use in their calculations of risk and in their interpretations of business activities and how they go forward. Um, but I wouldn't indicate this as an authoritative uh, approach of what is truly uh, the way it should be going forward in their activities. Very good, John. Thanks for your time and your insight today. Tom, thank you so much. We've been talking about Isaka's risk-reward barometer. I've been talking with John Peranti, an advisor for Isaka and president of IP Architects. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.